If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everyone, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 37 of the Early Excellence Podcast. In this week's episode, we talk to the founding members of the Early Adopter Facebook group. Now, using the EYFS framework, a year ahead of most other EYFS teachers and practitioners has given the group time, really, time to reflect, time to share and discuss their approaches. As part of the Facebook group, they connect with and support EYFS teachers and practitioners, drawing on their experiences of adopting the EYFS framework a year early. So we wanted to catch up with them. Here's my conversation with Vic with Helen, Corrie, Anna, Sharon and Catherine as we talk all about their journey with the new framework. I start by asking Vic about how the Early Adopter Group was started. Hello everybody, I hope you're well. Um, So Vic, let's start with you Vic, um, because I know that in lots of ways, you started off the Early Adopters Group. Can you just give us an idea of how it all started? You know, where did it begin? Because I know that's a while ago now, but where did it start? It did feel like, a, it does feel like a while ago. And uh, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, gosh, it was over two years ago now. So yeah, um, our school agreed to be early adopters. Um, I think we all had that agreed between us as a team or uh, it was thrust upon us or we actively sought out being early adopters because I think we've all uh, quite proactive and um, we want to be ahead of the game and we want to find out a little bit more before um, it's been forced upon us in a way. So um, yes, we agreed and signed up and then the pandemic hit um everything kind of went on the down low things changed and shifted with things being cancelled um rearrangements of various things that were timetabled naturally uh, and everything went silent on the early years front um and summer term happened still nothing uh, and it was kind of regularly checking on updates checking on googling what was happening was it still happening in September and then I think it was three weeks before the end of term I can't remember quite exactly um that yes actually we were early adopted in September but there was not a lot of information about it so panic hit um and I didn't quite know where to go so um, I started a Facebook group in the hope that reaching out to like-minded people that have in mild state of panic would would join and we could uh, work together and collaborate really within never 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 dreaming that we are now nearly up to 32,000 in our group would actually happen and um, within a couple of weeks numbers spiraled um September came and I, I remember it sitting in the inset day and we reached the thousand mark and numbers have gradually climbed the summer kind of people were asking and asking questions about what we were doing what changes were happening and people were reaching out luckily the the the, the group 
we're like-minded people and we were there to support each other. And I think that was very much our mantra from the start. We're all in this together. We're teachers. We are all teachers on the chalk face. We, we're all asking the same questions, all in the same journey together um, and looking for what we're going to do, what we're going to develop, what we're going to change. Um, and, and the teamwork, really, that wasn't happening because the pandemic had hit so hugely. Um, things were different at schools, things were different um, working arrangements. And But then we were expected to make huge changes for our curriculum, for our children, for the school. And we were all clambering and, and working on the same end goal, really. Um, um, and then luckily, these lovely ladies came on board. So it's kind of born out of necessity, really, that that sort of idea of really needing to support each other through a difficult time of, of not really being quite having sort of put yourselves forward or perhaps being put forward by other people. Um, you found yourself in a situation where you weren't just sure and you were needing that that support in lots of different ways from from other people. It is often like that, isn't it, that you find that because we are so busy uh, within the classroom that we can very easily miss information sometimes. That's not to say that the information was out there. It might well not have been, but it is so easy to miss information. You know, I um, work with schools and settings in lots of different ways, delivering training on, on the EYFS and the framework still now, you know, very much now. And, you know, I'm still, I still share things that have actually been, were, were brought out, you know, it, maybe last October, and we have high expectations, of course, and I think the Department for Education has high expectations that when they bring something out, everybody will see it. But actually, in reality, last October, we all know what was happening last October, and actually everybody was gearing up for another round of COVID, really, and all of the, the issues around that. So, no, I completely get where you're coming from, that actually the information either isn't there or it's very difficult sometimes to grasp actually what do we make of it. I think what you were saying, Andy, about the information, that was one of the things we were all really struggling with. And as a result of that, as a group, we pulled together a padlet of all of those documents that everybody needed. And we did an action plan. This is what happened in October. This is what happened in November. If you're only just joining us now, this is what happened in December. You haven't missed anything. These are the links you need to go to. And I think that support helped other people to overcome that feeling of what have I missed? Oh my goodness, where do I go? Everybody knows more than us. But we were like, no, it's okay. Just go to this and you'll be okay. And I think from, I mean, it was just that feeling all the time is we can do this. We're all in this together. What Vic, what Vic just said. And that was just what we always lived by from the very beginning. We also found out as well that, um, our heads didn't have any information. Governors didn't have any information. The LEAs didn't have any information. So there wasn't anywhere above us as such that we could go to. Um, so we did turn to each other and we did ask each other questions. What are you doing? Who's doing this? Have you changed this? And, and even just knowing other people were asking the same questions of us gave us that reassurance and support that we needed initially to get stuck in in our classrooms and get on with it. So 
And it was one of the not many times when um, when we became experts for the whole school because we knew what the new curriculum was about and nobody else did. And, you know, we had the support of the group to ask extra explanations and then take it back to our heads and to our literacy leads and maths leads and saying, well, actually, this is what we are doing now. That's how it's changed. And now, you know, you guys need to come and, and learn from us for a change, which, which you know, was a pleasant, pleasant feeling yes, to have. Yeah. It must have been very liberating, I should think. You know, that, that opportunity to really um, drive your own practice, but also to, to make sense of what documentation there was and to say, well, actually, this is, this is my take on it. This is what we feel about it. And then to be able to share it with other people. Actually, I think I can see that people would find that useful, but I can also see that actually for your, from your point of view as individual teachers and practitioners, that actually you would find that empowering in lots of ways that actually you have a certain amount of information but that actually you you steer it in the way that you want to steer it and I think that that actually is is often where people benefit most from when there is new documentation is when they read the statutory guidance they read what you have to do but also see where it is there is some flexibility to create your own view of actually what does this mean how do we make sense of it for us in our setting. And I think that you've done that really on a big scale. You know, you've shared shared that that information on a big scale, perhaps at a time when other people weren't doing that. The really nice thing was, is that every single one of us in this group, um, we work in different ways. Um, so we're not all alike. We don't do the same things at the same times, etc. And and that, that was a real plus as well, that um, we all approached it in different ways. And and then as we spoke and we talked and we shared, we all adapted in different ways as well. And and that was really nice that we had that opportunity to look at our own schools, our own settings, um, look at our cohorts even that year and actually think, well, no, I'm going to do this first because this is what's needed or I'm going to try this and write it down so that will help me in delivering it. Or it, it was really nice that we could do that, you know, work in different ways. Yeah. So so from it, did presumably then your practice developed as part of that? You know, were there key things that you looked at as part of your practice based on the conversations and the discussions that you had as part of your team? I think so. I think we hugely looked at, I think it was like curriculum building. I think it was about understanding about the, the different areas and it was that bringing along your team and also them understanding. So again, it made everybody within the my foundation stages particularly really look at that practice um, throughout. I, I, I don't know if it was the same for everybody else. I think everybody did, but it was something that we... Um, it just made sure that everybody else came along with the journey as well within your own schools. Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that idea of the, your curriculum and that that ownership of your curriculum is is one of those key messages, isn't it? At the moment, very much from from the Department for Education, but also from Ofsted as well. That idea of actually, what is your curriculum? You know, what is it in terms of a, a living, breathing thing, not just as a document, but actually as part of as part of your classroom experience for your children. And why it's like that, you know, what, you know, what do you know about your children on entry? You know, what do you know about your catchment area? What does your information about your children over time tell you about what they need? And then how do you create that, that experience for them to build on their learning experience? 
so yeah it's um it's really interesting i think yeah i was just going to say that i I quite often post things that i've done for my for my team in my school and that's one of the things i always put on the post you know this works for me take a look look at it critically and do what works for you and i think that was one of the most liberating things that came from the reforms like you can it's okay you can do the way that works for you you don't need to have this set piece of paperwork but I'm going to have it because that works for me and that's how I like to work. But if you just doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you. So I think that's what was one of the other messages that we did try and keep getting across that you don't always have to do it like everybody else is doing it. I, li- I really like the fact about the professional development that we were in charge because there wasn't any other professional development going on, that we were in charge of our own professional development, our team's professional development. And the thing that really helped that was... Vic, you managed to get in contact with a lot of different people and lots of different people came on board, experts, um, people who'd written parts of it, etc. If you explain about that, um, that then they shared their um, websites, their blogs, their information. And that was like, wow, I've never seen this before. I can read this. I can look at this. And that really helped me. Um, just explain, Vic, about some how some of the people came on board and really supported us. I suppose the, the, the problem with the pandemic is that we, there wasn't any support, was there? We couldn't meet with the local authority. We couldn't meet in cluster groups. We couldn't go and see other schools and talk through what was changes, what were going to happen, and training just wasn't there. Um, within, yes, at the end, end of September, um, Julian Grenier uh, contacted uh, me and we, we saw the, the the need from the group and what teachers were talking about um, and was really, really, really keen and eager to jump on board to help to support practitioners uh, and has been a huge support right from the beginning. So he he has definitely been there to answer questions, been part of the group as long as uh, as well as um, HMI inspectors, Ofsted inspectors, uh, local authority, um, uh, childhood experts. There are a whole host of people offering support um, freely and willingly, which has been which has been absolutely fantastic. So it's very much a, a team um, and a driving force and, and, and a source of you know knowledge and expertise really from external people we are there as a driving factor of people who are living and breathing and the changes or um you know instrumental in in changing from ground up but we've absolutely got the support from the, the knowledge and understanding from people who you know have, have, have been instrumental to the changes so that's definitely helped yeah but I can also see how that actually you're very useful to them in that actually there is sometimes sometimes perceived to be a, a divide between what happens at that um, at that um, department for education level and what happens within the classroom in reality, if you like, and that that actually I think you've really helped to bridge that divide for many people so that you're making sure that the the information gets across to as many people as possible, but that also that you're bringing those, you're giving people like Julian Grenier, for example, an opportunity to, to practically speak directly to all of the people that follow you. So, yeah, I can see that actually it works both ways, doesn't it, really? I think it probably works for the Department for Education too, really. Yeah. Um, 
it strikes me as well. It, I, I'm curious to know what happened then. So you had a whole year of being early adopters during that early adopter time and you gained thousands of followers during that time. What then happened for the start of the following school year, which I know it again is during the pandemic, so it's not a, it's, it was a difficult time anyway, but I'm just curious to know, you were a, a year ahead of most people coming into the next academic year and what happened next? You know, what happened then in terms of the group? It was, it was really interesting to see the cycle of the same questions, uh, the same um, problems, the same issues were reoccurring, same questions. But also, I think what was slightly lacking and needing, really, was it the importance to bring nursery uh, classes on board, the other areas of the early years, uh, foundation stage, the other practitioners, the childminders. Um, we we are early years. I, I set it up as a school base because that was yeah. where it started with schools and nurseries attached to schools. But then it, obviously it was needed childminders, nurseries, um and all those experts as well, you know, those people who needed to deliver what was there. Um, and Helen was great because she had, uh, the, you know, the nursery um, knowledge and how she'd driven it as well. Um, but that was definitely helpful for us to see from uh, and embrace them as well um, and, and how they adopted it. Um, but a lot of questions were reoccurring and sharing the journey. But also, we are still learning. We're still two years in, and we had a little chat beforehand. We are still changing. We are still developing. We are still adapting. Things still. I think that's a blessing of early years. Nothing is embedded. We can always evolve. We can always change. We can go with the children's interests. We can go with, as long as we've got firm foundations, and that's why it's the foundation stage, we can take it in any avenue we want. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's all part of being a reflective teacher, isn't it? That actually things either, either things don't stay the same or, or if they do, we know why we're keeping them the same. You know, we know that actually that works and it, it, there is a good reason for why we have it in that way. But at the same time, we're constantly reflecting on it and considering it and really thinking things through. And this is the year where we need it the most. Sorry, Andy, because we, you know, the children who are coming um, to our schools now have had two years of very limited experience for some of them. And the fact that we can freely change what we teach to teach them what they don't know, it's brilliant, isn't it? And that we can change the entire curriculum just to make sure that we are scooping them up and helping them and making sure that they develop at the level that they're at which we always used to do to a point but this time the whole curriculum what we teach them could change you know we found that our children didn't know what the conquer was in September so we you know we were planning on teaching various things about autumn but because that wasn't in place we, we just went out and looked for things so it was nice that we've got this flexibility and freedom um, to actually follow the children. And, you know, it is needed massively in, in the situations that we're in now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think part of that is the framework anyway. But also I think part of it is, is your confidence in really making that, making you, the curriculum that you have yours you know taking taking the the statutory guidance and saying right I know that there are certain things that I have to do but there are also lots of things that I have a certain degree of flexibility over and I can make this my own I can create 
my own curriculum. I can think carefully about my pedagogy. I can create something that I'm comfortable with and know why I'm doing it for my children and in what way I'm doing it for my children. And I, I think that asks quite a lot of people, to be fair. I think, I think it's absolutely the right move. At the same time, I think it, it needs the right people to be able to put that in place. You need an understanding of lots of things, don't you? You need an understanding of child development. You need an understanding of pedagogy and curriculum. You need an understanding of how young children go about learning. You need an understanding of how you share those messages with your team because, of course, in the early years, we don't just work generally as one person and that's it. We are generally a, quite often quite a large team of adults working and we have to be consistent across that team. So it's... In some ways, I think we can very easily simplify it and say, well, it's it's about your curriculum. but it, And it is, but it's also so much more than that, isn't it? It's about knowing your children and how you create that and how you share that key message and all of those other things that go with it. Um, so when people then join you for the start of the, the, the second academic year then, were there key things that they were asking about? What sorts of things were people asking? I think this, the assessment changes was a big one. Um, that just in, in the way that it links to curriculum, as you were just talking about, and how closely it links with curriculum. And those two things going hand in hand. Um, and yes, the reduction of workload, but a lot of people are feeling, yes, there's reduction in certain areas, but it, we, we now feel we've got even more in other areas, like building your curriculum. Um, so there were a lot of things and posts and chats going along those lines. And I think that our past experience and I suppose our confidence helped us to support those people who were just starting their implementation journey. And we were just we were just wanting to get the message across, like, it's OK to take your time and approach this in a careful and unhurried way, because that's we've had the luxury of that for a year already. Yeah. And this is how you can do it. And it's OK. Um, yeah. I think well-being of the, you know, of the, the practitioners was really apparent to us. We, we needed to support them that way because not only was it a new curriculum, there was the new baseline, there was the reading reforms, there was so much going on being sort of given to us to do, plus having to deal with COVID and still COVID restrictions within school that... And things are still very much Zoom meetings and things like that. So we still weren't getting that support from the authority in the, in the way that we previously had it. That I think we were very aware that, you know, what Corrie just said was so important to the well-being of everybody. It's step back, take a step back, you know, just get your children settled, get to know them. Um, you know, you don't have to have everything done. Ofsted was brilliant. The fact that we had quite a few Ofsted Zoom meetings or sharings that Vic, you know, um, involved with the HMIs and the Ofsted people, they gave that message across as well. They said, don't worry, as long as you can say where you're going, what your intent is, what you're wanting to achieve and your knowledge and your passion, it will come through. You don't have to have everything in place. And, and that was really good to hear as well. 
the reason why what some of the reforms were because of the teacher well-being and one of those aspects was that pe- teachers were spending too much work time on paperwork which we were it we was scribbling round we were there with the aprons with the notepads and pockets for you your ipad pockets pockets for your pens pockets for your notepad you know your post-it notes and you were walking round with you know your different colored highlighters and you were tracking children oh can you say that again um and there was the panic because your apron was taken off you basically wasn't it um, your tiara your wand your your pen your post-its could be flung to the other side of the classroom and hurrah because it freed us up and actually the, what's been the hugest change for uh, for me is that I could spend time with the children I, I could go and play with them and I didn't need to worry about can you just say that again because I just missed that because somebody just called me from the other side of the room can you just say what you just said in your play and let me think about your next steps right now and it and all that it, it has it's been taken away um I I can be part I can be invited into their play now I I am part of their play I am a play person and you know I, they see me as somebody who can come and be invited and join in their play and I can see where where they are in their learning now and if things need to be changed if they need support if they need um intervention then that can happen more readily and more naturally um picked up on sooner and dealt with within a within a couple of days there is a lot more team more you know natural chat within the team there isn't the pressures of recording texts lists everywhere oh where did I record that where does this post it now which where do I put this in this area of learning and development oh where can I cross match this to this and this and do I need to then upload it oh gosh right okay let me sit tonight and I need to then reflect on the day what's this person done today Sorry, I'll take a breath now because that's that's what we do at the end of the day. I think there was a lot of people. A lot of people were nervous about it, weren't they? They're thinking, oh, "Oh, I need to. I need to take something. Where, where, how do I show the evidence?" And and you know, f- for some of the TAs, it was like, "Where's my sheet? Where do I tick?" And you just go, "Just, just go and play. Just talk to them, and then you know, let's talk about how how they got on." And and now it's becoming more embedded. They're thinking, "Oh, how how can I extend the vocabulary? How can I?" play differently you know how do I move on but in the very start and I think with people joining us as well a lot of people are very nervous about about not producing a lot of paperwork um and another message I think we were we were trying to to give based on our example was don't start from zero don't throw everything away and start writing your new curriculum just reassess what you've done already because you know we've all done this good job before it's just now we're allowed to reflect and and tweak as we feel so so it didn't mean that everybody had to start from from the very beginning you just had to step back as you were saying and reassess and and tweak if needed yes absolutely I I think very much a fine-tuning I think that's probably the best advice that you can give to anybody starting off on that journey of really looking at the new framework and how we implement that is that actually it's not a massive overhaul of what you do. It's a fine tuning. It's a reflect. It's about reflection. It's a tweaking of what you do. It's it's thinking carefully about the assessment processes. So, like you said before, Vic, um, not finding yourself stuck behind an iPad when when you're supposed to be engaging with the children. Because, of course, straight away, that's a barrier to effective interaction. And, you know, the the framework itself was by and large written before the pandemic. But actually, the needs 
that it highlights in terms of speech and language have in lots of ways have only the, the needs have only got greater during the pandemic you know the the needs of the children in terms of speech language and vocabulary and how it sets out you know right from the outset how how important that is and how important effective interactions are with children i think to be, to be honest that has been probably been needed for a number of years really that i think we have gone down a real like as you said Vic down a real kind of rabbit hole with assessment where we've ended up chasing round you know trying to tick things off trying to chase a particular early learning goal or a particular um step you know and so on when when actually we've got to sometimes just take a step back and just think well actually what's my prime purpose here in terms of working with these children how are they going to learn from me best and quite often some well certainly sometimes I've worked with schools and settings where the assessment processes have got in the way of the quality of the practice which can't be right can it if you know if the assessment of learning gets in the way of learning then that really can't be right at all so I, I think it was high time that we had a rethink I know it was quite controversial at the time but you know and, and certainly there were elements within the framework that were quite controversial you know whenever something new comes out Twitter just sort of explodes doesn't it I don't know whether you're on Twitter as well as Facebook but it's sort of I don't, Twitter seems to be a bit angrier, more angry than Facebook. I don't know whether you find that, but it sort of seems to just explode uh, with any new thing. In uh, but um, but yeah, it kind of settled down over time. But certainly there is that um, that anxiety from people. I think whenever there is change, there is anxiety. You know, and sometimes a lack of trust. You know, if if we're being told that we don't need to record as much, does that mean that I'm that you know, I'm in two months' time that an inspector isn't going to come in and say, well, where's all of your recording? You know, that kind of... We don't quite... Sometimes people are don't want to let go of certain things because they don't quite know that it's definitely the case or not. So I can completely see that the group would really fulfil a need in terms of really reassuring people. I think we were so lucky, the fact that we had that early adopter year, because we were able to this year look at what we're doing more and thinking I need more training in this area or I need more exemplification materials on this element of the early learning goal or and we've we sort of have been able to moderate even though moderation supposedly is gone we're able to moderate with each other we're able to moderate on the group we're able to um, have that confidence to go to other schools and to get our cluster groups going, meet up with others and actually talk, just sit and talk about it and sit and talk, yeah. well, what, what's your good one look like or what does my good one look like? And and, yeah, and that's been really good. And I know um, I still have areas that I'm, I'm looking for for answers to. And and I'm glad because it shows that I'm constantly thinking and reflecting upon things I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think, I think possibly even before the pandemic, we we'd got into the habit of of being quite insular. You know that actually we we in many ways got out of the habit of visiting schools because everybody is so busy, and then the pandemic completely put a stop to that. You know that visiting other schools for either for moderation visits. Or for for just being and seeing other other settings and and having a look around and seeing what you you know seeing the differences or similarities, that's always interesting, isn't it? You know, as a way of supporting each other, 
Um, and it sounds like the group itself has prov- almost provided an opportunity for that to happen, really. It may be not in quite the same way, but certainly provided an opportunity for that to happen. Um, yeah, moderation is an interesting thing, isn't it? In that you're right, there isn't that expectation that local authorities will moderate um, of 25% of schools each year. But at the same time, moderation is so crucially important. You know, an opportunity to share ideas, to share to share difficulties, to share challenges, to share what you know about your children, to compare notes, if you like, and, you know, in terms of where you're at. I think all of that is important because being an early years teacher can very often be isolating. It can be really isolating. If you are a reception teacher in a one-form entry school, you're the only person in that school who does that role. And yet there's a lot of pressure on you to be able to do that role well. And there isn't necessarily, I mean, some schools there are, but quite often there aren't other people alongside you that you can ask about it who've done the same role that you're now doing. And so I think the opportunity for people to link with yourselves, to be able to share ideas and to talk and to have that support, I think is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're right. There was there are quite a lot of posts that say, you know, I'm by myself in this school. Can you help me? Or this is my first year in reception. Or I've not been in reception for twelve years and everything's changed and now I'm back. Can you help me? And I think that those are the ones we're all. I mean, pretty much every post, Vic, would you say has a response of you know always based from a. a a support st- stance and, ca- and coming from an area of kindness. And I think that's something that we're really proud of on the group, just keeping everybody su- feeling supported. Absolutely. I think we are kind of replaced, didn't we, briefly, that that network, that that g- local network of cluster of, t- of schools, we, we kind of replace that briefly. And I'm hoping people are, are reaching out now and I'm hoping people are getting into other schools. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Corrie. People are responsive and that's we have got such a kind, caring community. Um, we've definitely made that a necessity you need to come from a place of sharing and caring you've got to have a an understanding of different people's experiences um and you know where they are and their 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 teaching as well and that and that's so so vital and yeah the group is just lovely and so giving we have we have quite a lot of group members who have volunteered to be mentors as well, don't we? Of of people who are really finding it hard. We have that you set you set that up as well, didn't you, Vic, for the group? Yeah, there's quite a lot of people asking specifically for for support in that in certain areas. So the mentorship that 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 that's been set up has has been, you know, we've been formed quite a lot of supportive uh, avenues for for specific individuals and i hope that continues absolutely yeah brilliant fantastic so in a way what happens next then because of course you're an you're an early adopter group um and and of course now we're getting into you know we're well beyond the fact that we are now early adopters so what i just wonder yeah what happens next with the group you know presumably you're you're staying around you're not just an early adopter group you are you are staying around for the long term well, do you know what? I am so, so proud of my lady. These, This group of uh, individuals are truly, truly special. 
absolutely. I couldn't, when reaching out for help, they came and they are lifelong friends now, but we've got people who are now moving out of early years and been picked out on their expertise and have knowledge under their belt and experiences beyond measure. We've got people who've left the the schools and now are working for local authority. We've got people who are now leading training. We've got people who are experts in talk for writing. So the thing is, though, that, that comes across loud and clear that each of you have each grown over these last two years in terms of your confidence through being within the group and having that head start as early adopters. I think I think what you're talking about here is is almost like that kind of, you know, when they say fortune favours the brave, I think you were probably very, very brave going into that early adopter year. And I think you've probably benefited greatly from it of 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 really being in that difficult position of of having that all of that the, all of the new framework in front of you, but then having that head start on it and really getting to grips with it and making sense of it yourself. I also think as well that this is one of the the most brilliant EYFS. Um, social media good news stories you know that there are so many sort of social media things where you think you know that's just not very nice you know that people are being shot down for doing something yeah no absolutely I think that again that has always been our mantra throughout we've we've had a few bumps in the road within our group um, but I think we've always brought it back round to the positive we've absolutely made sure that that is our mantra for the group because we want everybody to support each other we don't want it to to move in any other direction apart from that yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah and that comes across loud and clear that sort of element of support and I think also the fact that there's there's different ways and different materials and different resources out there to use. You don't have to use the same resources and materials if you want to use the government's uh, materials that they've provided or birth to five or whatever. The options are there. We've never, ever said this is the, the right way. We've never had that mantra. We've always been, you know, it's what works for you. And that's been really important. And I think that's why nobody's worried or afraid of asking questions and that's why we've got such a variety of answers and such a variety of um, attitudes and approaches to it because everyone's happy to share and feels comfortable doing it without worrying about what people might say and um, so that's how, how it's worked for us really I think. What you've created there is as an environment where people feel supported rather than feeling shot down in terms of their practice, you know, that actually it doesn't really matter where, at what point they come it come to you, you know, whatever stage of their career or how um, isolated they feel or how or, or what their practice is like, that actually you're going to welcome them in and say, well, actually, that's OK, we can support you. Is that right? I mean, it's, that's certainly what comes across. Absolutely, yes, yes. That I think, you know, Twitter and social media can be quite a, you know, quite a vicious place sometimes, I think. And people are not keen to kind of raise their head above the parapet quite a lot, that they're not sure whether they're going to get shut down, or, you know, or shot down rather. But actually that that actually your the group has given you the given people the opportunity to to raise concerns or to ask questions in a kind of a safe environment really 
I think that's really true because I think, you know, we've ev- the way we've done it is that we've managed to say to people, everybody's context is completely different. You know, whether it's come from above, from leadership or whatever, uh, the way your practice is or the way your practice is because of the, your cohort or the practice is because of where you live or whatever, it's fine. And, you know, if you're not an expert or you're not this or you're not that, you don't have to work in that way. At the end of the day, everybody is putting the children first because of their passion to be an EYFS teacher. And I think that really comes across as in, the, in the group. I think yeah, because absolutely. we don't we don't allow um, selling, we don't allow self-promotion, any of those things allow the post to remain on the really important conversations without having to sift through things that, you know, you don't really need to see right now, you just need answers. And I think that's another thing that really helps. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, we are very much out of time, so we but we better wind things up. But thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and for, for having the discussion about, you know, you know, where you started from. Because it's such an interesting story to start literally to start from one person having that that thought that actually you feel isolated, you don't really know what you're doing with something, you don't really know where you're going with it, and then to reach out and for that to snowball in the way that it has is absolutely incredible and hats off to all of you because you have created something which I think is amazing really is is really inspirational it's such an inspirational story so thank you so much for joining us on the podcast I hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as I have I've really enjoyed listening to you and about you know hearing about the story and about where you know where where it's gone but also where it's going next I think it's fantastic so yeah thank you ever so much and all the very best to you take care Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So there you go. I hope you found our discussions useful. Um, A big thank you, of course, to everyone from the Early Adopter Group for joining us on this week's podcast. I found the conversations and the discussions really interesting, and I'm sure you people at home did too. So thank you to them for joining us and for giving up their time for the podcast. Um, If you're on Facebook, the group is definitely worth looking out for and joining as well. Really, there are loads of really interesting conversations that happen on there that I'm sure are really useful to people. Um, that is about it from us for this week. Um, and it's also our last episode for this school year. So um, a big thank you to all of you for listening of course. And also a big thank you to everyone. There are many of you, lots of you who have contributed to the podcast this year. You know, all the people that we've spoken to and interviewed, all the people who've contributed in all sorts of different ways. Um, I have to say a really special thank you um, to Simon Clifton, who works at Early Excellence. really as part of our technical team, as part of the podcast. He's a technical wizard. Um, he somehow each week may, works wonders with the random recordings that I send him and he puts them into, into the podcast for you to listen to. So a big thank you to Simon for that. Um, and so, yeah, that is our last episode for the school year. We will see you in the new school year, of course, with lots more to come from us. We've got all sorts of ideas, all sorts of interviews also lined up. Um, all that really remains to be said is have a great summer.
really have a fantastic uh, summer break, a very, very well-deserved summer break. Have a great rest, a, um, a very good rest and come back recharged. And uh, yeah, we will see you in the new school year.